Good morning, Sanctuary family. Happy Easter Sunday. Uh, we're very excited to be here with you today. Uh, we're grateful that you're with us as well. Although we can't be together in person, uh, my prayer today is that the Spirit of God would allow you to feel at home as you worship there um, in, in your homes. Um, I feel like right now I'm a little dressed up for regular Sanctuary Sundays. I've seen some pictures already of many of you dressed up, but I know we also have some rebels out there who are wearing their PJs. That's cool as well. Um, however you're, you're dressed today, we pray that this service would be a blessing to you as we continue um, in worship together. Um, we're going to jump into this word from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Uh, the title of this message is Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive. Um, an incredible message for us on this Easter Sunday. Now, if, you, if you've been here at Sanctuary for more than two or three weeks, and I've had the opportunity to preach, um, you know already uh, that I grew up in South Carolina. I was raised in South Carolina in the low country in a small Baptist church called the Second Providence Baptist Church. Um, and in that church growing up, Music was actually my first ministry. Um, long before I was doing any sort of speaking or anything else, music was my first ministry within the church. And it's been a way that since that time, I've been able to connect to God. The first song that I ever sang in church was called the Peanut Butter and Jelly Song. Now, I'm not going to sing it today, but I want to encourage you to Google that song. It was a special song. It felt silly at the time. Um, it, felt, it feels silly now, but at the time, it really was an important song that helped me to connect to God. As I grew older, I did less singing. Um, as boys sometimes do, they, they don't want to sing in church, and so I, I didn't want to sing as I got older. But in private, music was still very important to me. And this matters because in this season of Easter, I, I have to admit today that I had a little bit of a hard time at first connecting to the spirit of Easter this year. Um, there's been so much going on in our world. Um, 2020 has already been a bit of a roller coaster, as we'll talk about today. Uh, but music was one of the ways that this year I was finally able to get into the spirit of Easter. There's a song that we sang a little earlier called Our Living Hope. And that was a song that I came across a little over a month ago at just as we were starting to do social distancing and had canceled one of our first services. And that song for me helped me to refocus as we were moving towards Easter. I want to take a, a walk through the lyrics of that song because I believe it would set us on a great path as we get into this message today. Here's, here's what the song says in verses one and two. It says, how great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Verse 2 says, who could imagine so great a mercy. What heart could fathom so boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. 
Those two verses are so powerful and they help us to remember that what happened on Good Friday actually matters. That there is a significance to what took place on Good Friday. And then it gets to the chorus and it helps us to celebrate the outcomes of Good Friday. The effects that took place there on Good Friday, we celebrate them in the chorus when it says, Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. That, that chorus helps us to celebrate that something was accomplished on the cross, that there was this great exchange where Jesus took our place, where we were set free, where death lost its grip, and where every chain was broken in our lives. But then it goes even further. The good news gets even better. In verse 3, it says this, then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your broken body, your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Verse three says of that song that even after winning our freedom, even after the ultimate price had been paid for our sins, that on the third day morning, as, as the old folks say in the churches I grew up in, early on Sunday morning, God raised Jesus from the dead. That, that is worth celebrating on this Easter Sunday, that even though Jesus had already paid for our sins, that was not enough. God defeated death, hell, and the grave, and that is what we celebrate on this Easter morning. Hallelujah. Praise the one that set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, our living hope. Brothers and sisters, our message today is simple. Hope is alive. Hope is alive. That is the theme of this year's Easter celebration. And for most of us, that reminder that hope is alive is a very timely message. That is an on-time word from God because we're living in a time where we desperately need hope. Something I've figured out over the last 15 years of living in Minnesota, Easter is special for a number of reasons. It's special because Easter brings with it the end of winter usually and the beginning of spring. And so Easter brings with it some joyfulness. You see, there's a change in the weather. There are the early stages of vegetation and plant life breaking forward. There, there's a soundtrack that you wake up to every single morning as the birds have returned and they sing to you. Usually, this season of Easter brings with it a lifting of our spirits. Without even trying, Easter is a time of joy and peace, usually here in Minnesota. But the truth is, there's something going on in our world this year. There's something happening this year where Easter, if we're, careful, if we're not careful, Easter won't feel like Easter. As I said earlier, the year 2020 is showing its behind. In just the first three months, 2020 has already taken us for a ride. And then on top of everything we've already lost in 2020, 
The coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19, has come. And in this four months of the, of the year, it feels like we've been fighting this 2020 war for 20 years. Right now, coronavirus is exposing just how fragile life is in our world. Right now, the coronavirus is threatening so much of what we've taken for granted. And if I'm honest, if I could be honest today, it feels right now like death is all around us. In years to come, when the story is told of this season, the beginning of the year 2020, death will be a central figure in the storyline. Think about what this disease has done, not just here in the United States, but all around the world. 1.5 million confirmed cases. And it's believed that those numbers are even higher. More than 400,000 confirmed cases in the United States. 87,000 people have died around the world because of this disease. And as, at the time of our recording, more than 14,000 people have died here in the United States. Now, it's easy to look at those numbers on a ticker and not really get the effect of it. But every single one of those numbers represents a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a neighbor, a classmate, a friend. Every one of those numbers represents someone who is made in the image of God. We have lost a significant amount because of the coronavirus. And I want to encourage us this morning. I know Easter is often a feel-good Sunday, but I want to encourage us not to rush past the very real grief that many of us are feeling because of loss in this season. You see, if we don't acknowledge the grief, it's going to be extremely hard for us to heal from the hurt. We've experienced great loss in this season. Many people have died, but the reality is we've lost a lot more than just lives. There are a number of other things that we've lost as well. I want to take a moment and take a look at a few of those things that we've lost. In this season of COVID-19, already in 2020, many of us have lost timelines. We've lost our plans, our resolutions, all these great plans we have for the year. The first quarter of 2020 says, let me have that. I'll take it. And many of us, if we're honest, we're struggling because our calendars and our planners aren't very helpful to us right now. Many of us had great plans for vacations. We had set aside time to be on the beach. Many of us had plans to rent some Jeeps and spend time cruising along the beach. Many of us had plans to get out of Minnesota in the middle of winter and be someplace warmer where we can be kissed by the sun. But the first quarter of 2020 has taken that from us. And if we're honest, we're experiencing loss and grief. We're grieving over the change of plans. Many of us right now are experiencing career and job and vocation insecurities. We've either lost our jobs or we're just wondering, when am I going to lose my job next? Many of us are unable to provide for our families and we're grieving over that fact right now. Many of us have lost all our ways of finding relaxation. Many of us are anxious because our candles and our yoga mats and, and our sports recreation, all those things have been taken away from us. 
and we feel robbed. We are grieving. We are hurting right now. And many of us have no way of expressing that. And so we're just walking around carrying all that hurt in our body, carrying all that grief in our body, and it's causing us incredible pain. But here's what I'm suggesting to us today. That even though we're struggling deeply, even though there is much pain that we're experiencing right now, even though we would rather not sit in this place and talk about these kinds of things, I'm suggesting to you that if we would be honest with ourselves about the loss that we're feeling, about the pain that we're feeling right now, God is willing and able to meet us in that place. And God offers us something that can bring us through. God offers us a living hope. That's why our theme today is hope is alive. Hope is alive. And you and I, brothers and sisters, we need a living hope. And I believe this word can be a blessing for us today, a word that you can speak over yourself, a word that you can speak over your family, a word that you can speak over our world. Hope is alive. This expression, hope is alive, is not just preacher talk. We find it right in God's word. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5 is our scripture for today. I want to focus particularly on verse number 3. Here's what Peter says. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead the dead. First Peter is an epistle. It is a letter written by a man by the name of Simon Peter. Simon Peter was a former fisherman who met Jesus through his brother Andrew. Simon Peter goes on to become Jesus's closest disciple, one of Jesus's closest disciples, and a central figure in the early church. Friends, this is hard to imagine the story of the New Testament without Peter in it. It's hard to imagine a Christian faith in general without Peter. You remember Peter, he confessed Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus was asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And he then goes on to ask Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter goes on to become a part of Jesus's inner circle where he is a firsthand witness to many of the miracles that even the other disciples weren't able to see. You remember Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he attacks a soldier who was coming to arrest Jesus, cuts his ear off because Peter was just that sort of dedicated person. But Peter was also conflicted because less than one day later, Peter spends hours denying the fact that he ever knew Jesus because he was afraid he would lose his life. You remember Peter, after Jesus was resurrected, meeting Jesus on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus restoring him, telling Peter, if you love me to feed my sheep. And Peter would do that in the book of Acts. We see Peter who grows and becomes a father of the early church. He speaks to thousands, shares the gospel in in an incredibly powerful way, and thousands are saved. 
And Peter goes on to lead the church there in Jerusalem. It's that man, Peter, that we're talking about today. Peter was a father of the faith. And later in his life, he writes this letter to a group of Christians who are scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. They've been facing persecution because of their faith. And Peter writes this letter to them. Wherever, wherever this group of Christians found themselves, they, they faced not only state-sanctioned persecution, but their neighbors hated them and extended all sorts of oppression towards them. And Peter writes to them because they are suffering greatly. He writes to them because they were facing trials. He writes to them because they were afraid. He writes to them because their present lives were painful and seemingly out of control. He writes to them because their futures felt very uncertain. So uncertain that many of them were doubting their very faith in Jesus. They were just like us. They were a lot like who we are today. Like so many of us, those early Christians came to Jesus out of a desire for peace and healing and safety and relief from life burdens. Their, their lives had already been chaotic. Many of them had been tossed out of their families. Many of them lived on the margins of society. And they came to Jesus and found Christian community, hoping that their lives would be peaceful. Yet their lives in this moment and the world all around them was full of anxiety and fear and disease and disappointment and persecution and even death. And it's into that context that Peter, their leader, their father in the faith, speaks to them, writes to them, and he offers them a reminder that would allow them to not just survive the situation that they were in, but it would allow them to thrive in the time of suffering. Peter says to them again in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In the middle of their suffering, Peter doesn't send them a cheesy video. Peter doesn't water down the gospel. In the middle of their suffering, Peter instructs these believers to remember their salvation. Peter says to them first, that they have been given a new birth. He says to them that they have been caused to be born again. They had been gifted a new birth. It was not something they had earned, not something they themselves had deserved, but because of what God had gifted them, this new birth, because they were born again, Peter says to them, you are different. You are not of this world. You are strangers in a foreign land, and we don't walk through this life in the same way as others do. He says to them, first, you have been given a new birth. And secondly, he says to them that this new birth that they have been given is into a living hope. He says to them in the midst of their suffering that they have a hope, but not just any hope. Peter says to them, the hope that you have is a real hope. It's, it's, it's not like the hope of this world. Peter dr draws a contrast between the hope that comes to Je through Jesus and the hope that comes from this world. Peter says to them, the hope of this world is deceptive. It's empty. It's false. But the hope that you have in Jesus is sure, certain. It's real. He says to them, it's not just hope. It's not just any hope. It's living hope. That expression, living hope, is not just 
an adjective tossed onto hope to paint a better picture, Peter says a very theologically rich statement when he says that theirs is the living hope. Here's what Peter's trying to say to these believers in the midst of their suffering. He says to them that the hope that you have is a living hope. It's a hope that comes from God. And this hope that comes from God contains life. Within the hope that you receive from God is life. There is life in it. And you receive this hope and it grants you life as well. As as you receive this hope from God, there is life that is in this hope and it creates hope in you. But he doesn't stop there. He says further that this hope that you have received from God is not intended to end with you. You are intended to share that hope with others. He says the hope that you receive from God has life in it. When you receive it, it creates life in you. And this hope does not end with you. You are told to pass this hope on to others. Brothers and sisters, hear what I'm saying today. That is the reason why you and I, in a season of a pandemic, can still be dealers of hope. You and I can still be people of blessing. In the middle of a storm, in the middle of a pandemic, we are still called to be a blessing to others because you and I have what Peter describes as a living hope. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be hope dealers, even in the middle of this pandemic. In, the, in our, our, our Easter worship kits that we gave to every family, there, were a, there was a packet of seeds in every bag. I want to encourage you, as you're planting those seeds in your yard or in your planter, wherever you're planting them, yes, plant them for the sake of, of seeing them sprout. But I want those plants to also be a sermon illustration for you to remember that in the same way that you're planting those seeds there in the ground, God is also calling us to plant seeds of hope wherever we go. In your neighborhood, God's calling you to plant seeds of hope. On your job, when you get back to your job, even on your Zoom calls now, God is calling you to plant seeds of hope because even in a pandemic, you and I are called to be hope dealers. Peter tells them you've been given a new birth. That birth is into a living hope. And finally, he says to them, that that hope comes through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Peter says to a group of people who are suffering some incredible trials, he says to them, remember God's mercy. The living hope that you have been born into, remember that as well. And he says, remember that it all comes through the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, Peter says to them, I know things are hard right now. I know things are uncomfortable right now, but there is hope. And not only is there hope, there is a living hope. And not only is there a living hope, that hope belongs to you precisely because of the resurrection of Jesus. Peter says to them, what I'm hoping he say, you'll agree he's saying to us today, he's saying that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. If you don't remember anything else from this message today, I want you to hold on to that. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. You and I have a living hope, brothers and sisters, because we also have a living Savior. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. Peter speaks to these folks in the middle of their suffering. 
And he draws a straight line between the, their faith in the resurrection and the hope that they have in the midst of their suffering. Peter says to us today that as we grow in our understanding and belief of the resurrection, we'll also grow in our ability to have hope in the midst of our trials. It doesn't mean that your trials will come to an end. Those trials will still come. Those struggles will, in many cases, continue to persist. Friends might still turn their backs on you. Family members might still disappoint you. Sickness and disease might still attack your body. Death will still sometimes feel like it's all around. But your circumstances don't change the fact of the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Don't let your circumstances change the fact that you believe that God is able. So when those trials come, you're still able to say hope is alive because Jesus is alive. When those struggles continue to persist, you're able to say hope is alive because Jesus is alive. When friends turn their back on you, you're able to say that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. When, when family members disappoint, when sickness and disease attack your body, even when death comes and steals a loved one, death which can seem so final and so absolute, our refrain can still be, hope is alive because Jesus is alive. I want to close with this. Many of our plans, I said, have been lost. And many of us are grieving the loss of our calendars and our planners. But I want to encourage you in this season to lift up that planner. Lift up that calendar. Offer that up to Jesus. Say, Lord, I have a bunch of free time that I did not expect. Show me how you want to use that time. Lord, I surrender my plans to your plans and see if God won't produce hope in you. I know we had trips and vacations and, and all sorts of things that we wanted to do, thinking we needed to get away to be refreshed. But I believe Jesus is saying to us today that I want to refresh you right in your home, right where you are, right in the midst of the people who are always around you. And I want to ask us to offer our plans, our restoration up to Jesus. I know many of you started businesses and many of you have worked a long time to establish yourself in your career, and you're worried right now that my career is going down the drain while I'm sitting home. Something is, 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 is not going the way I wanted it to. I just started this business, and now we can't even be open. I want to encourage you to surrender the hopes of that business, the hopes of that entrepreneurial project, the hope of whatever it is you are wanting to do and get back out there to do so quickly, I wanted you to offer that up to Jesus, saying, Lord, I give you my hopes and dreams for this thing. Use it in whatever way you see fit. And I believe that as we do that, as we surrender all of our plans to Jesus, we'll find relaxation and fear, fear and anxiety will, will slip away, and we'll be able to find the hope that we've been talking about all day. Here's, here's what is important to understand, Sanctuary. In this season, so many things have been canceled. Churches meeting in person have been canceled. High school graduations and college graduations have been canceled. Many conferences and concerts and all sorts of activities have been canceled. But there are a number of things that God has blessed us with that have not been canceled. Love is not canceled. Community and friendships and family 
They're not canceled. Most of all, hope is not canceled. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And as we as a body continue to trust in Jesus, more and more we'll see the hope that we receive flowing through us to a world that right now desperately needs hope. I want to say happy Easter to you, Sanctuary, again. And I pray that as we continue in worship, that a hope that, it's, that flows through the resurrection, that comes through the resurrection, will build up inside of you, and that it would overflow, and that others would be blessed as you remember that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we have had this time together to be reminded of the hope that we have in you. God, we're so grateful and mindful of just everything that's happening in the world around us. So much loss, so much pain, so much death. But God, we are grateful that we can hold on to the hope that we have in you. It is a hope that is alive, a hope that is present, a hope that endures, and it is a hope that never fails. So God, I pray today for the brother or sister who are watching, who's watching right now and who's struggling to hold on to hope. God, I pray that you would help them to see in your resurrection how death has no longer had have power over us, how, how death has been defeated. God, if you can overcome death, you can overcome anything else we encounter in this life. So God, just give us hope. Help us to remember your resurrection. Help us to encourage one another. Help us to let that hope come alive in us and then flow through us to others. We love you, Jesus. We're grateful that you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.